This is the Reformed Dish Podcast. My name is Kevin, and I'm here with a very special guest, and we're here to talk about the gospel, the Reformed Christian life, and everything in between. So we've been on hiatus for a long time. I mean, some quick life updates on my end. I've, I've started the pastoral internship program at Capitol Hill Baptist Church, so I'm taking a sabbatical from work and trying to figure out the rest of my life. My co-host, Charles Kim, has... He's abandoned me, and he's moved to L.A. for the fading glory of the world and uh, Southern California. So we wish you the best, Charles. Have a great life. But now on to our episode for today. We have a really special guest. I'm excited. Uh, He's coming to us all the way from Europe. So he's a fellow intern with me in this fall CHBC pastoral intern class. Uh, I welcome you, Benjamin Egan. Hey, Kevin. Good to be here. Hey, okay, so Benjamin, uh, tell us how you pronounce your name correctly in Okay, French. so I'm going to say it the French way, and you do whatever you want with that. So <laughs> in French, I would say Benjamin Egan. Oh, Benjamin Egan. You're almost there, yeah. Almost there? I'm okay. proud of you. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get there by the end of the semester. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so Benjamin, uh, we're really excited you're here. Uh, just give us a quick intro of yourself. Talk about a little bit about your family, where you grew up. And also, just if you could share your testimony, uh, how you came to know the Lord. Yeah, sure. Um, so uh, let, let me know if you have more questions about that. But um, just briefly, I grew up in Paris, in the suburbs of, Par- suburbs of Paris. Um, and I went there until I was 21 years old. And then I moved to Brussels. And now I live in Brussels. Oh, okay. Well, obviously, now I live in D.C., mm-hmm. in the United States. <laughs> but before that, I was in Brussels in Belgium. Um, but yeah, I grew up in France uh, in a Christian family. Uh, the last kid of uh, four, um, four person, four siblings, mm-hmm. um, and I'm grateful that I grew up in a Christian family. I wasn't grateful for that at the time, <laughs> uh, because gre- growing up for me, Christianity was a set of rules, a list of rules, things I had to do. I couldn't, uh, I didn't want to do, and all the things I wanted to do, I couldn't do. I like going with my friends, partying, whatever. And I was really rebellious against the, towards the Christian faith and really wanted to live my life the way I wanted to live it. And that's what I did for all my teenage years. Mm. Um, and I was living in sin, living in uh, all the things the world gives to young people. I was just drinking that, just living for that. Sure. Uh, I was really empty inside myself. It was really dark years. Uh, but by God's grace, I was saved when I was 17 years old. And I really can't explain it except God's grace. Se- uh, you said seven, 17 years 17 old? 17 years okay. old, yeah. Wow. Um, it's really God's grace. I went to a Christian camp that I already knew. I went there to make friends, make f- uh, have fun, uh, and sleep during the sermons. But this time, in particular, the, uh, I understood the sermons for the first time of my life. Wow. And this summer, um, just to make a long story short, I, everything started to make sense. The gospel, what I read in the Bible, uh, I started to understand for the first time for the first time of my life, that what it means that I was a sinner, that my life wasn't going in the right direction, and that I needed to repent and trust in Christ. And that's what I did, and so I became a Christian. That's really encouraging. That's awesome. Uh, And I'm assuming it's very rare to be an evangelical or to find other Christians in France. Yeah, it is. Uh, Not a lot of Christians, and so I was uh, the only Christian uh, in my high school. So I became a Christian... Uh, before my last year of high school, 
so right before that, and I was the only Christian in the school. And how many people were in that high school? Uh, I don't know. It's probably smaller than in the U.S., but uh, in my uh, class, we were 30, okay. and probably, I don't know, two, a few hundreds people. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So you were the only Christian out of a uh, a hundred plus kids, which is, yeah. that's, that's yeah. crazy. So, I mean, that's pretty typical. In yeah. That's not, yeah. At university, yeah. the same. I was, well, I, I met a Christian there at university. Okay. Sure. Um, but we are two in the whole uh, entire university. Wow. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, and that's encouraging that you were still, able, we're, there are faithful Christians still in France uh, yeah. doing good work. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Before we get into the more serious stuff, uh, is it true that you're basically a French Christian celebrity? Uh, <laughs> so that you, you have like a YouTube channel and Instagram, you're a TikTok star. <laughs> I'm not on TikTok. Okay. Not yet. You're not on TikTok. Oh, I was yet. thinking about it. Okay. Um, I'd probably not be on TikTok. It's uh, too... Christian hip hop dancing? Is that what you're going to do yeah, on TikTok? I'm trying to learn. I'm too bad at it. So, okay. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> uh, no, I do have a, Christian, um, a YouTube channel. That is true. Um, and I... Uh, so I'm right now I'm um, uh, an associate pastor in my church in Brussels for two years now, um, and I'm having a sort of a more public ministry uh, through books or conferences or YouTube channel or things like that. And, how did you, how did you stumble into that ministry like that writing books or even doing your YouTube? What yeah, fueled that? Um, it's more a process over the years. I never like uh, thought about it or never wanted to start something, uh, and I still don't want to. Uh, yeah, build something or build a platform, whatever. I just want to do what is helpful. And it's over the years, uh, I had the opportunity to do things that were helpful for the more broad evangelical evangelicalism in, in France. So, mm -hmm. for example, books. Uh, so I wrote that and then another one. And um, I was involved with uh, the Gospel Coalition in French, um, leading the young section yeah, young adult section, and so it was more a process over the years where I'm I'm grateful I can do that, but at the same time I want to, I want to balance that and realize that uh, my priority uh, is my local ministry, my local church, and that's where I want to uh, spend my most of my energy uh, and time and find my joy. Sure, that's great. Okay, um, so I guess this segues pretty nicely. Then uh, t just tell us what's going on in France. Like, what is what does the religious and spiritual landscape look like in France? Uh, and you're in Belgium now, but obviously mm. maybe you could uh, talk a little bit more about all the French-speaking countries in Europe. Yeah, so true. We're, we're talking in this podcast about France, but Belgium will be pretty similar, at least from the outside. Uh, there is differences, there are differences, but from the outside it's pretty similar. And you could even include uh, Switzerland, so all French-speaking Europe. Yeah. And I guess even Quebec, uh, so French-speaking ah. Canada, will have some similarities. But let, let, yeah, let's talk about France because that's what I know the most. Uh, so France is a beautiful country, of course. Uh -huh. um, very beautiful. <laughs> very beautiful. Uh -huh. Good food. Better uh, than America? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, yeah, yeah. We can talk about that later. Okay, we when can I, talk about when, Yeah, when I spend a few more months in America, maybe <laughs> I will change my mind. Uh, but uh, spiritually speaking, on the religious state, it's very, uh, very dark. Um, so very secular, a very lot of atheists. So most of the people, if you go in the street and ask for people, ask somebody, do you believe in God? They will say no, 
or they would say, uh, I'm, I'm atheist or uh, something like that. Yeah. Uh, so, and it's not only that they don't know a lot about that, or they're really against God. And so they're against Christianity, against religion. So they're very hostile. Very hostile, yeah. Okay. Uh, and even the government itself. Uh, okay. A law just passed in France, uh, in a sense, against churches. I won't go too far with that in this uh -huh. podcast, but uh, that will uh, restrict the religious liberties of churches. Wow, that's... Um, yeah. Because there, they, 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 we have a concept in France that is laicité. Laicity, I don't know if you have that in, in America, but it's very specific to France, and it's basically it's atheism. We, religion is for the private life. So you can have a, where you are uh, at your home, but at school or whatever, uh, at work, it's, uh, we're atheists. Ah, but what is, what is um, the contrast with that and what is ironic is that a lot of French people uh, are interested in spirituality, in Eastern spiritual, spiritualities. So okay. Buddhism, for example, because mm -hmm. it's trendy. Yeah. Uh, because it's nice. So you go in yoga, uh, you know. Yeah, yoga, exactly. Uh -huh. So you go in a, in a library in France and you go to the religious section, you will have a tons of books about uh, personal development or okay. like meditation, uh, meditation mm -hmm. Eastern uh, or, or spiritualities. So people are looking for something, but they don't want to find it in the uh, traditional religions. Okay. Yeah. And so give us a breakdown percentage wise. What do you think, like, in terms of religions in French-speaking countries? Um, so evangelicals would be less than 2%. Okay. I don't know the exact numbers. Wow. Uh, there is Catholic, so the main religion would be Catholic, if you don't count atheists. Okay. But a lot of people would be Catholic by, Catholics by name. Right. So they grew up as Catholics. And that's why they are very hostile to the uh, Christian faith, because if you go, like oftentimes I've been in the street trying to talk to people about Jesus and the gospel, but when they hear about Jesus, they're like, oh no, I've heard about that in my Catholic school or mm. at, uh, when I was a kid, and I know about that. They never heard the true gospel, so they reject it. But um, yeah, so there is a lot of uh, Catholic influence still there. Um, and then Muslims, obviously, if you go in the cities, you will have a lot of uh, Muslims. Um, I think that's a good opportunity for sharing the gospel. It's sure. oftentimes uh, with them that I have the most uh, fruitful conversations. Um, yeah. So. Okay, then uh, that, that's, that's helpful in understanding France or even just other French-speaking countries. What about like the, the state of the churches, uh, the evangelical church in, mm. in France or in Belgium? Like, what's it like um, and how has it been laboring there as, as a pastor? Yeah, um, so it's uh, obviously what I say is a generality. It's hard to speak about the country in a few minutes, but um, it's very small. It's, it's more, obviously, than America. Uh, not a lot of churches. Uh, and I think what we observe, especially in the countryside, is uh, churches are getting more and more old, uh, like the people, mm -hmm. I mean, and the leaders. Right. And so we have a lot of uh, pastors who will be, retiring very soon, yeah. but there is no, not new leaders to take their place. There's not young people kind of coming through? No, not a lot. Uh, that's, I, actually, that, I think that's one of the most uh, needy uh, thing about France yeah. uh, and French being world in general is more leaders, young leaders to be trained as pastors. Because even when we have pastors, they're not necessarily uh, trained uh, in deep theology, in good theology. Yeah. So the, the churches would be small, but then if we talk about uh, reformed uh, theology, it will be much smaller. Okay. Uh, and that's ironic thinking that it's where John Calvin was born and, and exerts his ministry. Uh, but um, people are either uh, against the reformed faith and very against, or like completely ignorant of it. Okay. Um, 
And so, yeah. I, so you're, you're a complete anomaly. You're 26 and you're single and a young associate pastor in France. <laughs> this yeah. is like, this just does not happen anymore. This is weird, yeah. Very uh, weird. I, I do, well, I'm in Belgium, so in yeah, Belgium, but, it, but yes. it would be the same. It's pretty weird. Uh, not a lot of people like that. Uh, I know a, a few of them uh, because I, I went in seminary, but in my like, uh, friends around me, the one with whom I grew up, uh, yeah, being reformed and ministry is kind of weird. Okay, uh, yeah. that makes sense. Uh, so but it's then, good. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> so it's encouraging overall. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay, yeah. so okay, then, so about your ministry, what's, what's been encouraging and maybe what's been hard and mm. what, what's your ministry looked like? You talked a little bit about the public ministry, but on a day-to-day, are you discipling a lot of guys? Are you doing a lot of evangelism? Yeah, um, so main, I mean, the main emphasis of my ministry is uh, probably teaching in the local church. Sure. Um, so preaching once or twice a month and teaching in different contexts uh, in the life of the local church, discipling people, um, also helping teaching in other churches because there is many churches where there are no, there are no preachers. Huh. Um, and so we don't have a problem in our, in our context to have teaching opportunities when you want to be trained. Like I could have... Um, twice, two every Sunday, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, because there are churches without pastors. The need is uh, really great. Yeah, the need, okay. the need is great. Um, so I, I think what has been hard and probably is what uh, other pastors will feel much more than me, because I've been there for more years, is just as uh, a slow growth and as uh, a faithfulness over the years. Sure. Um, so if you want to find a place where you will have visible fruits immediately, where it be easy. Um, just don't go to France. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I remember um, a story. Um, my dear, the, uh, a friend, Jeremy, he's in uh, in uh, pastoral ministry now. Uh, he was he came he comes from another country, and the person who was in France who invited him uh, said, uh, "Are you ready to suffer? Oh, Are wow. you ready to suffer?" Yeah. And he said, "If you're not ready to suffer, don't come to France." Uh, I mean, you, we suffer everywhere in sure. ministry. It would be hard everywhere. But uh, France, and I think for a reason, has been sometimes called the graveyard of missionaries mm. uh, because it's slow, it takes time, and if you're not uh, ready to be faithful over the years, uh, it's going to be hard. And so I think what has been hard for me is, what is hard for me is to uh, be faithful um, and not to see visible fruits or not to see, is it really useful what I'm doing? I'm preaching there, I'm preaching there, I'm doing that, I'm doing that. Uh, when is it done? I guess you have that in every pastoral ministry right. where you serve. But at the same time, I don't want to um, have a too grim picture of a bad picture of friends because the Lord is at work and God is at work. And uh, there are really some encouraging stuff. And especially for me, maybe I'm more aware of that because uh, my ministry is, uh, my public ministry at least, is very much towards young people. I mean, yes, you get thousands of views. <laughs> <on this. laughs> Um, I preach with sneakers and stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, uh, but they are really thirsty of good theology. Sure. Uh, and I think they are aware of things that are missing in their churches. Yeah. Uh, good teaching from the Bible, wow. uh, from like hearing the word of God preached. And they're looking for that and they're thirsty, thirsty of that. And I think that is really encouraging. I see a lot of young people around me. Uh, they want to read the good books. They want to read the Bible. They want to... Um, now we need to not only give them that good theology, but also show them how they need to be trained and to think about their whole life on how they will be able to serve the church and to uh, some of them become leaders and pastors in the church. Yeah. But that is really encouraging. Okay. 
That, that is really encouraging. Um, in terms of, I guess, as you're thinking through your ministry plans or even your strategy as you go back to Belgium, uh, what's, what's the plan and what's your vision? Is it really you, you want to see more healthy churches raised up? You want to disciple young men to be pastors? What's the main thing that's helping drive this for you? Yeah, uh, it's hard to answer, and maybe in like a few months or a few years, my answer will be more clear, but I think I have a tension between, between at the same time the desire to see in France, in Belgium, more healthy churches, um, and we really need that, and I see ways that I can and others can uh, give their whole life to that. Yeah. But at the same time, uh, I want to see the gospel be spread forward in the whole world, and I see all the unreached people groups, so all those groups those people groups who haven't heard the gospel and who have no, uh, no chance to hear, hear the gospel, sure. especially in French-speaking Africa. Uh, we talked about the state of, of churches in France that is not very good, but in French-speaking Africa, it would be more terrible. Yeah, um, it's like Cote d'Ivoire. Yeah, Cote d'Ivoire, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. Cameroon. Ivory, Ivory Coast, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Cameroon. Good French, man. <laughs> <laughs> I try, I try. Um, but yeah, that would be... So there is a need there as well, but... At the same time, I want to realize that we won't be able to target those unreached poor groups uh, in a good way if we don't have people sent by good, healthy churches at home. Mm-hmm. And so it's a both hand, both end. It's not one of the or the other. Okay. Um, and so I'm just uh, trying to pray, to think, to discuss with my mentors and uh, pastor with uh, where would I be the more useful for yeah. the gospel and in this, all these needs. Okay, so even French-speaking Africa could be potentially on the table for yeah. you. Okay. How I view it is like as long as I can preach the gospel in the context of a local church, I'm ready to go wherever. Yeah. Um, Particularly yeah. in France, because yeah. I mean, in, in French. French speaking yeah. world. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, that makes a lot of yeah, sense. Yeah, I'm not gonna stay in America. Yeah. I'm sorry. But <laughs> <laughs> we would uh, we we will miss you, Benjamin. <laughs> uh, so in in terms of like your grand vision, then would be it would be great to be a senior pastor of a local church and just work towards in some ways a very ordinary vision, but often mm-hmm. overlooked, uh, yeah. just see other healthy French-speaking churches raised up. Yeah, um, you, you don't have a lot of other church choices. Uh, like I, I'm an associate pastor in my church, but that is very rare. Uh, you don't often have, uh, because churches are smaller, you don't often have two full-time people okay. uh, in the same church. So you, you, there's usually just one pastor yeah. per church, if, if they even have a pastor. Exactly. Okay. So I know in Belgium, maybe I'm, I'm, uh, I don't have everything in mind, but in Belgium, I know two churches, including mine, who have more than one people full-time for the church. Wow. Uh, in Paris, I don't know, maybe four or five. Uh, and even there, it's like, yeah, it would be... Uh, a lot. So, um, yeah, basically, if you want, you, you, you want to go to ministry, uh, well, you'll be a senior pastor somewhere. Uh, and, I, and I think that's good. That's what we need. We need pastors uh, who will preach the word and who will do that in the context of the local church, raising up leaders, uh, discipling people to send them uh, in, in all, all the world. And uh, if you're familiar with CHBC and with internships, that's pretty much what we learn here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's pretty good, a good place right. to be for that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and funny enough, I, I don't think I asked you this question, but how did you how did you get reformed? Yeah, um, so I John was John Piper video. No, okay. um, that came later. Okay. I, I was very much against that. Uh, for me, Calvinists were the people who were not sharing the gospel, uh, who were like really uh, against uh, with a, a very hard vision of God. Yeah. Um, and my cousin, he became reformed. 
so through uh, what? Through uh, well, he just became a Christian, and for him, it was just natural. Oh, he just uh, read the Bible. Yeah, he, he just read the Bible, and he was for God's him it just made sense exactly. Uh-huh. Uh, he 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 watched uh, Paul Washer, and so okay. maybe that helped a little bit. Sure. Uh, but when I heard that, I was like very much against that. And so we were arguing. I still have the text somewhere, but really, really arguing against each other. Uh-huh. And I wanted to show him he was wrong. And I bought a book, a big book, I remember, uh, showing how communism was wrong. And I started reading that book. But during the course of me reading that book, I just became convinced by scripture. And to make a long story short, I just read Ephesians 1. And uh-huh. I, I came to a point where... It was everywhere in scripture, and, yeah. it was, and where it was, it was clear, and I couldn't argue against that, and so I became convinced by scripture. And, yeah. um, Wait, and so, yeah. so you read a book that was arguing against Calvinism. Yeah. You bought it so that you could kind of argue with your cousin. Yeah. And then by reading that book, you actually looked through scripture more carefully? Well, it wasn't uh, not necessarily through reading that book, uh-huh. but as I was reading that book and talking with other people uh-huh. and trying to process with that and reading the New Testament. For, and Ephesians 1. Yeah, and Ephesians 1. I was like, but that's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. true. And I bought that book because I was running out of arguments against my cousin. Oh my and gosh, I, yeah. And so I never finished that book. But <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, uh, that's really encouraging. Um, sorry, that was an aside. But uh, I, I guess <laughs> oh, in, to finish our time off together, what are ways that we uh, listeners can be praying for, for France um, mm. or other French-speaking countries? What are specific things that we should be keeping in mind um, mm. yeah, as, we, as we pray? Yeah, uh, three ways that comes to mind. Uh, first, you can pray for current pastors so that they stay faithful and preach your word. And even though there is not a lot of healthy churches, uh, praise God, there, is ch- there are churches uh, preaching the gospel, and so you can pray for them to stay faithful. But second, you can pray for more uh, pastors to be raised up and to be trained uh, in ministry um, and uh, for more to desire that uh, and for more qualified people to be able to preach your word. And third, maybe on a broad, more broad aspect, uh, rather than just local church, you can pray for the, all those young people. Um, yeah, there is a lot of young people com- coming, becoming reformed uh, through many, many ways. And you can uh, pray for more and more to grasp a, a good, healthy theology and to um, have this theology impact their whole vision of their life and of the world and how they need to uh, the, where they need to pour into their life. Yeah, so, that's yeah. great. Uh, I, I think one thing that stands out as we we're just thinking about praying for French-speaking countries, France, is just its ordinary means of grace in which yeah. the gospel grows and spreads and healthy churches are raised up. Yeah. And I, I just, I'm struck by all these, I guess maybe we're reading too much about these <laughs> church planting movements and and all the flashy, you know, the hill songs and elevation churches yeah. of the world, but it really is about going back to scripture and yeah. being clear on the gospel uh, and praying and letting yeah. God do the work. Yeah, and w- uh, one thing, uh, maybe if you had somebody else on this podcast uh, talking about his vision for friends, he would say many things that I didn't say about strategy, about, I don't know, many things that could be said. Um, but at the end, I'm like, I'm, o- I'm oftentimes thinking about what will happen as the last day when I'll be facing God. Uh, I don't think he would tell me, oh, you've not, think, you not, thought, you've not thought about this strategy or about uh-huh. this or about being more cool or more trendy, or, but have you been faithful hmm. uh, to the word? Have yeah. you preached the word? And 
uh, as long as I have the desire and good intention to preach the word, to be faithful to my local church, well, then I can trust God's sovereignty um, and trust that he will work. And that doesn't mean that I don't use my uh, mind to think about ways that it can have more impact in the French-speaking world. Uh, but oftentimes we speak, we think about strategy despite, uh, uh, in spite, uh, rather than just the Bible. Yeah, almost yeah. in contrast to Yeah, God. exactly. Yeah. Mm. Well, Benjamin, it's been great having you on the podcast. Uh, we'll be praying, and thank you so much for your time. Uh, thank you, listeners, for listening in. We have a great rest of the season for you. I know we've been gone for a long time. I promise many new episodes to come. Uh, this is the Reform Dish podcast. Bye. Bye. <laughs>